Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The, the Nonprofit, Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, Nia. And happy Monday to you, Brittany. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, quite well. Excited to start the week. How about yourself? You know, I am doing well, mostly because I am loving the awesome feedback we're getting on the podcast. I know, it's so much fun. Thank you, everyone, for your texts, your emails, your shout-outs on Facebook, Instagram, you all have been absolutely great. Makes it so much more fun knowing that folks are out there enjoying it with us. So please keep those coming. If you like something that you hear, we want to hear about it. Um, keeps us motivated yes. and uh, feeling like we can actually keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and we're getting enough stories that I think we will soon have um, a listener episode where we can share some of those stories with y'all. So keep them coming. Oh, that'll be fun. You know, I was listening or I was reading this post on one of the podcast groups the other day on Facebook that you told me about. Mm -hmm. And this woman wrote this post about, you know, what she wasn't prepared for when starting a podcast. And that is the emotional roller coaster <laughs> that comes with it. Yes. So the fear, anxiety, uh, the sense of imposter syndrome, yes. and that still happens every single episode <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, I think it was after our last recording that we were both like, man, we are wiped. I know. I, I mean, it just takes a lot out of you talking in a in a way that you know is being recorded and shared with the world. Well, yeah, and then now that we're doing um, the transcripts for every episode, <laughs> we have to listen, we re-listen to the episode and write out word for word which what each person is saying. So you start to hear all your nuances and... All and your ums and, and even just like the misconjugated verbs. <laughs> like I know it's distrusting, and for whatever reason, I said untrusting a few episodes ago. <laughs> I am. You gotta let it go. Gotta let it go. Yeah. So, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about corporate partnerships for nonprofits. All right, this is a juicy topic. Oh yeah, this is a this is one I think we probably both have plenty of stories to pull from. Well. To be honest, it wasn't so, what, two weeks ago we did a retreat and we mapped out what our topics were going to be for the next eight weeks or so. And this one was not on it, but we bumped um, volunteers for this one this week because <laughs> we have had some recent experiences with it that got us fired up. That's when you know, that's when we know it needs to be a topic is when we're getting all fired up about something. Oh, totally. And it's a conversation I'm having almost on the daily with clients. So something that's clearly top of mind for other folks too. So let's back up a little bit and let's define corporate partners for those who might be new to the sector. Um, and if you're listening and you're new to the sector, that's awesome. <laughs> Welcome. I would love Hang tight. To, I would love to know why yeah. <laughs> and how you found out about us. But um, 
So corporate partners are for-profit companies that uh, we as a nonprofit try to partner with. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. I think the one important thing to note is when we say corporate, we're not just talking Fortune 500 companies. We really mean every business um, that's a a for-profit entity. So from your mom-and-pop shop to the... Um, the fast food chains, I mean, all of that is kind of wrapped into corporate partnerships. Exactly. And ideally, um, well, I should say this is an, an idealism, right? That if we are going to affect real change in our communities, that we need this, uh, sort of symbiotic partnership Mm -hmm. from both the nonprofit and for-profit communities coming together, sharing resources, which is really what this is all about in hopes of building a better community for everyone. Mm -hmm. So there's different ways that corporate entities engage. I mean, there's a lot of different ways. This will not be an exhaustive list, but kind of the big ones are a lot of corporate companies have um, grant opportunities Mm-hmm. For nonprofits, um, they might just outright give sponsorship dollars or donations um, themselves. A lot of them have corporate volunteerism, mm-hmm. so they'll have a volunteer day, or they just—I mean, some of it—it's embedded in the culture of the company where they promote um, volunteerism with mm-hmm. their staff. There are some companies that go so far as to say staff at certain levels, I think especially in the finance sector, um, have to sit on local boards of directors. Oh, yep, absolutely. Um, And then some of them give benefits such as corporate matching. Mm -hmm. So if someone from the company makes a gift, they will match that gift up to a certain amount. And some of them are really generous. Mm -hmm. Some will even match volunteer hours in a donation, which I think is just fantastic. Yeah. So a lot of different ways that companies can get involved. Um, And like I said, we didn't name all of them by any means. Um, But there's benefits on both sides. Mm -hmm. There are, um, but I think... Ideally. Yes, yes, there are (laughs) benefits on both sides. I think that often companies are looking for this win-win scenario where they're getting promoted or they're um, entering into maybe a new market um, and hoping that the nonprofit is also getting a benefit. And when the companies are coming in with that mindset, it's often that the nonprofit then really gets a, a lesser benefit than if it was more about the um, philanthropic partnerships. So let's get clear. The percentage of giving by companies nationally is ridiculously low. Yeah, it's about 5%. If you look at all philanthropic giving, about 5% of that comes from companies. Um, per Giving USA, the 2018 report that came out last year, um, and that number has stayed relatively stable. Um, we've seen a little bit of growth, but typically those dollars are actually going to disaster relief. Um, so, you know, the Verizons who want to do a um, a donation match because of a hurricane, that kind of thing. And, you know, why this comes up so frequently is because just like a lot of the other topics that we've discussed, there is an inherent power dynamic at play. Yes. That I feel is completely unfair. Yeah. Well, and it's it's really interesting because I would love for it to really – it, it to involve reverence on both sides, like how great for a company to come in and say like, oh my gosh, our community is better because of you. And for us to say, and our better company is 
our community is better because of your company, right? Like right. This, this joint understanding and appreciation of what both of us bring to the table. I mean, we live, it, it's no secret that we live in a part of the country uh, here in Colorado where we're attracting a lot of companies. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And so the belief is that they're coming in, they're boosting the economy, um, they're providing jobs, but the truth is, is that they're also raising housing prices. Right. <laughs> and pushing people out and requiring additional services. A lot of them, of course, are unintended consequences, but they're very real. Very real. Um, which can affect a lot of the clients that we're serving if we're a human services organization. Right. Exactly. So um, while it's great that they're coming into our community, I just feel like there needs to be an understanding that they need to give back to the community as well. Right. And not just to look good, but because they're really invested. And that doesn't always seem to be the attitude. No, no, no. So... I will tell you the story of one company, though, that I've worked with that was really great. I'm so glad we have a good story <laughs> to kick this off. <laughs> um, and it's really about their corporate culture and their corporate practices. But it, it just so happened that our board chair at the time worked for the company. And this is a key. This is a yes. huge key to this whole thing. Mm -hmm. That... You have to have a connection to somebody internally in the company for you to build a relationship. That's just the way it works now. Oh, exactly. I, I The conversation I'm having every other day with clients right now is, well, we want to walk up and down Main Street and introduce ourselves to these local businesses. And while I think it's great from an awareness raising standpoint, you know, everybody should know about your nonprofit. The reality is that doesn't mean that they're going to be connected, committed. That doesn't mean that they've even heard of this issue that you're addressing. And so it ends up being a ton of work for the nonprofit with with very little, you know, real return on all of those efforts. Um, and most of the nonprofits are doing it thinking they're going to get mad donations, you know, as right. well, they just need to know about us and then they will be so committed. And that's just not the reality. Well, and I feel like the corporate what do I want to say that the the way that corporations are deciding or companies are deciding to give has really changed in the last 10 years, five mm -hmm. to 10 years. Yeah. And so it used to be set up, you would have um, this structure like uh, a United Way. Mm -hmm. And then the United Way would build the relationship with the company. Mm -hmm. And then the United Way would bring in area nonprofits as, what were they called? Members or? Yeah, something like that. And or affiliates or members or something. And so basically, <clears throat> the United Way had done all the work in the relationship building. They said, here is our 50 companies that have agreed to do all their corporate giving through us to be listed as an eligible nonprofit or a recipient. Then you become a member with us. And now that's changed completely. Mm, yeah. Well, and especially locally, um, well, this is happening across the nation. United Ways are, are really going out of vogue. Um, and so some are closing and consolidating. And they're just playing, a, a, I would say, a lower role in corporate giving overall. Um, and are even like just not even on the consciousness of a lot of companies. And I get it. I mean, I understand companies saying, you know what, we want this to be a benefit of the company embedded in the culture of the company. And so we want to give to the places that are employees support. Yes. Love that. 
I do too. And so they say, okay, you know, if you have a company and I don't, each company has a different way or process in which they do this, but essentially like if you have, if you volunteer for an organization, you serve on the board or you have an affiliation with an organization, bring it to the table and then we'll consider that as one of our recipients. Right. So we had one of those. It was our board chair. So he was really involved in the organization and the company they worked for um, is a huge, huge company. And they offered all the ways that we talked about earlier of engaging. They did them all. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so we were eligible for all of them. Mm-hmm. So we got sponsorship for our events. We applied for an annual um, grant that was a substantial amount of money. We They did a volunteer day every year. Oh, this is big too. Um, not only did they volunteer, but they paid for the volunteer project. Oh, that's amazing. So we're going to be vacillating back and forth, but that's one of the issues, right? Is that these companies call up and they're like, we want our 25 employees to come and do a volunteer project at your little nonprofit. And so as it, so then we're scrambling trying to find something (laughs) for them to do. right? Right. And then we have to think bigger than Mm -hmm. just something that would take a couple hours. And ultimately, whatever project that is, costs money. Right. And now we're spending $500, $1,000 just to have this free labor come, which is great. Mm -hmm. It maybe saves us money, you know, if we were to do it. For example, one time we built a shed. Mm -hmm. We had them build a shed. But we had to buy all the materials for the shed. And yes, it was less expensive, because we had people doing it for us for free than paying to have somebody come and build the shed, but we weren't budgeting for that. Right. It probably wasn't one of your top priorities. No. Yeah. So all of a sudden now we're spending staff time trying to figure out, well, what shed do we want Mm. and where are we going to put it? Oh, now we have to clear space for that. And we, you know, all the logistics involved. So at least this company recognized that there's a cost involved in these volunteer days. And so they offered to pay for that. Then there, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they also came on a weekday. That's oh, another yes. thing. Hashtag volunteer during staff time. <laughs> exactly. So, hey, we would like these 25 staff members to come and volunteer and it's going to be on a Saturday. Oh, yeah. And so now we have to staff, we have to pay for staff to come on a Saturday to oversee the project. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they did it during a weekday and then the hours that they worked the um, company took that money and paid, gave us a gift for it. That's lovely. Yes. So anyways, there was all these different ways that we could Mm -hmm. engage with them. We had a really great partnership. But then when that staff member left our board of directors, that relationship was over. All gone. Yep. Well, and that, I think that is the big story. Um, When, when these companies, um, tie their funds to where their employees are giving. It's so great because it it does create, I think, a true partnership. Somebody in your company has identified this as a a worthy cause they're involved with. We're going to put our dollars behind it. Well, that employee leaves the company, you know, shifts around, and all of a sudden that partnership is severed. And we've had that happen so many times, particularly with grants, where we've received $20,000 a year. I mean, it's a substantial amount of money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that person decides to move to a different part of the country, and they don't work there anymore, and we're Mm -hmm. not even, you know, it's not even a consideration. Right. Right. We're not even allowed to apply anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I've got a story on the other side. Um, okay. But this one, I mean, really, it's a NIA issue and less the company. So this company approached us. They uh, wanted to do a toy drive during the holidays. Awesome. Mm-hmm. In-kind drives. Very yep. popular. Um, so they go out. They do it. They actually brought back some really great things we were able to utilize. And that was like the entry point for me to develop a greater relationship. They had no ties to us. There was no like specific volunteer or board member. So kind of a, a fresh relationship. And so um, I met with them a number of times and uh, their, the, the CSR person, corporate social responsibility, um, really wanted us to come in and help educate their staff on the issues of foster care and child welfare, which I really appreciate because it's a topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about. A lot of people don't recognize that there are kids in foster care in their communities. So anytime I could kind of bust those myths and let them know that this is an issue and there are ways for them to get involved, I, I would jump on it. So um, she kind of concocted this whole plan and uh, her thought <laughs> was that um, we were going to get this this staff group, like 40 people together, I was going to present, and while we were together, they were going to make these superhero capes and then they would be donated to the kids. Like this really empowering superhero. You've what got- were they made out of? Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you've you got kids, like, superhero capes. Love them, right? Yeah, yeah. So cool. And I loved the message of, like, empowering, like, these kids feeling empowered themselves. But then <laughs> we get there. And, yeah, here's the punchline. It is made out of the cheapest material. Like, you sneeze and it busts into a million pieces. I mean, just the, the worst material. And then you forget that not everybody is artistic. Right. Well, that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> and she didn't have like a specific like, template. Some of them are awesome and, and others some look are like awful. a kid did it. Even worse than a kid. <laughs> I mean, one of them, there was like some some symbol on it that was just like really dark and scary. <laughs> and so we did it. I brought him back to the office and there were literally like two that we could keep. <laughs> and then she kept wanting to do it because it was so powerful. For um, her staff. For her staff. Not for the kids receiving it. No. Right. And, and I had been clear, like, you know, we might need to, like, talk about the materials and maybe give them a template so that we can use these better because uh, there hasn't been a lot of interest in the first <laughs> batch. Well, then at one point she did it without me, and I just get this box of 75 of what? these tapes. Uh, it was, oh, it was so horrific, Brittany. And then I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, it was it was just so awkward. And the worst part is, this whole time, we kept talking about a financial contribution to come along with it. I mean, because I had been there multiple times, done multiple presentations, and then... Come on, because let, let's be serious. Let's be honest here. I mean, you're ultimately hoping there is going to be money Oh, yeah. Attached. And we, we had really upfront conversations about that. Then they got bought out. <laughs> and we were so close to... I mean, she had talked like 10 to 20K. They got bought out and... Any hope of a donation was gone. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've worked with a company where they've had a merger oh, or yes. an acquisition and all of a sudden the finances are frozen. Frozen. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, what about this invoice that we sent you seven months ago? Yeah. I'm sorry. All of our finances on all the budgeting is frozen right now. We can't do that. What? It is a pledge. It's a legal thing. You made this. If that was an outstanding invoice to a vendor, right. to a for-profit company vendor, would you still consider it? Would they allow you to be eight months no. behind on paying it? Absolutely not. No. No. I will say, we also had another positive experience with um, 
with a company who was really invested and did all of their philanthropy in child welfare and foster care. So that was great. We already knew we had that values alignment. And um, they were so good because they gave an upfront contribution, but then said, if there's anything else we can do throughout the year, let us know. And I know a lot of companies say that, but they really meant it. And so we came to them a little while later. Um, we were planning for National Adoption Day, and I said, hey, would you sponsor the bags? We'll put your logo on them. So it'll go out to, you know, all of these families and volunteers, um, but we, we can't afford to buy them otherwise. And they were so thrilled. I mean, you could tell, like, it, it was a real um, moment where they felt so connected to us that yeah. we would even tap them for that. Yeah. Um, and they, they loved being able to sponsor that for us. And we loved being able to have these great bags that we could give out and had a very specific purpose for. Yeah. Well, you brought up something earlier, CSR, mm-hmm. um, corporate social responsibility. Yes. And I think that is a big hurdle, too, in forming these relationships. And again, why you need somebody internal, because it's so hard to find out where that resides within each company. Mm -hmm. So is it in marketing? Mm -hmm. Is it in human resources? You know, who is responsible for making those partnerships in the community within each company? And it's so different at each place that you've you've got to get through five gatekeepers before you even find the right person. Right. Well, I'll also say, you know, sometimes when companies move into a community, they, they do significant investments because they want to be part of the community, but they also want, you know, city council approval, which we experienced recently here in Longmont. Mm -hmm. Um, We had our first round of um, marijuana dispensaries open up and in their initial application, they had to talk about their commitment to the community. And so many of them pledged significant gifts to local nonprofits. Now, although all of them continue to give, it is at such a lower rate than what they had initially promised and and done in that first year. Right. But I think that's so disingenuous. Absolutely. you're, You're basically putting on an application so you get approved by city council when you don't actually intend to do that year after year. Right. Well, in so many conversations that I've had recently with potential new partners mm-hmm. where their big their big stance is, well, we want a, a genuine partnership. Right. We want engagement throughout mm-hmm. the whole year. But what I find out is they just want access yes. to either our clients, our families, our mailing list. Yeah, your donors. Our donors. And... So they want to provide a complimentary service to them. And it's like, well, that's not really a partnership. No. We don't need that. No. Like, let's talk about what you need. Okay, maybe you need some marketing help. But then let's talk about what we need. Mm -hmm. And maybe we need some dollars. Yeah. And let's see how we can partner that way. And so what I find... And that's where, you know, I get heated is that as the nonprofit, we tend to bend to try to meet their needs. Oh my gosh. Yes. Way, way, way too often. Oh, well, we'd love to help you with this thing that you have coming up in February, but we can't do it in February. So can you do it in June? Yeah. I mean, basically the company is telling us to change our programming and somebody in our nonprofit saying, yeah, yeah, let's do that because then their potential dollars that they haven't even given us yet, then they'll come in. That's absolutely ridiculous. Exactly. So I think those expectations need to be made up front. And, you know, my call to action to nonprofits is that recognize what your boundaries are Mm -hmm. and stand firm in, yes, creating a new relationship, but not so that it's adding more work 
onto you with potentially no reward. Well, and I think part of that is recognize nonprofits and be confident in the fact that you have something really incredible that they want, right? That, that power dynamic shifts because we always think that we're the ones at the bottom with our hands open. When you shift to say, actually, we're doing a really important community service here and they could potentially be part of that, that those power dynamics start to shift where, where we have some power and we can say, yeah, you can be engaged in this and here are the specific ways that you can do that instead of them dictating to us. Right. Exactly. Well, and then from the company side of things, I mean, some of these are really big companies and I know that they do these matches to try to encourage giving, but I just wish that there was more ways that they could encourage their staff members to give because I can't tell you how many corporate volunteer groups we've hosted or, you know, the organizations that I've worked for have hosted over the years where not a single person within that comes becomes a donor. Oh, yeah. So they come and they volunteer for the day and we give them our spiel and they learn about our programming. And I get it. I mean, it doesn't mean just because you came and volunteer, you have to give money too. But there doesn't seem to be any push to yeah. do that. And have, it can't come from us. Have you ever been part of one of those combined federated campaign days? Oh, they're the worst. I, and I know the federal government is not a, a company, but it, I think it's very <laughs> it's symbolic. You know, so you go and you've got a booth and... The best locations provide some incentive. Like, there's food. If you get past all the nonprofits, you can have a free lunch. The worst, just leave you out in the sun all day baking, hoping that an employee will come out so you can tell them about what you're doing. And we would, without fail, always get sat next to the cat sanctuary who would bring live cats. But that's the best, that's the best spot because everybody comes to see the cats. But they don't want to stop and talk to us. Well, I know, but at least you see people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, at the other end of the fair, it's just crickets and tumbleweed, you know? <laughs> like, nobody comes down that far. <laughs> One time, I worked at that event, and I forget which group it was. It doesn't really matter. They brought a tiny horse. Oh, my gosh. Done. Done. <laughs> How do you compete with a tiny horse? You can't. No, you you can't. So the the next best thing is to be the booth right next to them <laughs> because at least maybe you can get some overflow and hope you're not downwind. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband's now a federal employee, so he just got one of those emails like in December telling him to sign up, and I was like, oh, show me what it says because I've always wondered like on Good the inside, point. yeah, what, what does it say? And it is it's a nice letter saying you know our commitment to community, so check it out. But it was so basic and insincere. My husband was even like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't know how to do anything about this. Do I need to? And he like hands it to me. And I was like, honey, don't worry about it. <laughs> Clearly we know who takes care of the philanthropy in our house. But I thought it was so funny because you've got all these employees who are, who are lay people when it comes to philanthropy. And so if you don't provide them the tools to actually get engaged through your employee giving program, it's going to feel overwhelming. Well, exactly. If Colin can't figure it out and his wife is a nonprofit consultant, <laughs> how is anybody else, you know, who yeah. has no understanding of the nonprofit world right, right, or philanthropy? Yeah. It's a struggle. It is a struggle. Well, and those fairs are always so funny because you get searched completely. I know. Your car searched. You have to get out. They're looking under your car, in your car. <laughs> <laughs> just want to hand out some brochures. Buddy. I know. <laughs> just want some of your employees to give us $5 a month. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
hey, I'll take it. I know. I know. So what are our takeaways? Um, I think the first one is to recognize companies that you walk in to any relationship with a nonprofit with a power dynamic at play. And anything you can do to ease that, to appreciate their work, to thank them for what they do in the community, take that right off the the bat so that then you can have a true partnership. Um, real quick, no joke. While we were sitting here, I just received a text from the company I was talking about earlier saying that I'm past due on a bill to them. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't like being called out for pulling their funding once he left. Oh, that was kind of spooky. It's like they knew I was talking about them. They're like, well, now you owe us money. <laughs> um, that's really funny. All right. So, yes. And then any other takeaway? I think for nonprofits, recognize that if you are entering into new um, corporate partnerships, start with where you have connections. Don't cold call. Don't send out mass mail. Don't send volunteers up and down Main Street unless it's for like a silent auction. Um, but like true corporate partnerships require that that inside person who's even going to tell you where the CSR lives in the company. Um, that's really where you need to start. So look through your your board list, look through your volunteer list, see where you might have some connections. Yeah, and I would say also consider how much time, how much bandwidth you have available to work on that. I'm yeah. not saying that these relationships aren't lucrative or can't be lucrative, but we we all have such limited time and we're all doing 10 different jobs. So considering how little the percentage is really of corporate giving, you know, take that into consideration when you're planning out your priorities with your development staff. Yeah. I mean, if you have the staff, great. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like what you said. uh, So many times we have volunteers that come and we don't know where they work. Right. We've never asked them where they work. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can start doing some of that data collection internally and then um, build on those relationships, that's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. And with that, I think we will sign off. Uh, Hope you all have a great February. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll be back next week with another all-new episode. Uh, Like us, follow us. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and you can always email us at nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And just remember, please give and give generously. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Mission Launch, a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.